0: Good morning. morning. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. And we'll be reading um, starting in verse 1. Now before I begin, I want to uh, just give a summary of what we've talked about over the last couple of weeks going through the book of Timothy. There are... um, The letter to Timothy was written by Paul, and it was to a young man, probably in about in his thirties. And one of the things that he he, there were many things that he instructed him to do, and some of those things were to um, to talk to the false teachers. There was false teachers arising in the church, and they were teaching the law. They were teaching that um, you need to um, in order to be saved, you need to you need to uh, do this plus faith plus works. And so he needed to silence them. Then he um, addressed the men and asked them to pray everywhere and to lift up holy hands, that they live the holy life, just as they prayed in public that their private lives would also be holy. And then the women were addressed that they should be godly women, that they should be uh, women of character. And then a leadership. We talked about elders, and we talked about deacons, and there's uh, there 's a pattern for godly leadership in the church. There are certain qualifications that must be true of these men and it 's probably true that because of these qualifications being being read out that there were men in the assembly that were in leadership that didn 't have these qualifications and then he did, then Paul warns Timothy about a departure from the faith that there were going to be people who stray from the faith and follow after doctrines of demons and all of this is written under the theme that we see in chapter 3 where it talks about that he writes these things so that you may know how to conduct yourself in the house of God. So it's how do we conduct ourselves in the church? And if you put yourself in Timothy's shoes for a minute and just realize the, uh, the amount of um, the, the weight that's upon him, his shoulders, to go in there, if you, had, if you were given these instructions, this was given to you, Noad, and you had to go into the church and confront all of these different issues. You had to address every single one of these things. It's, a, it's an incredible task, and it's very uh, daunting. And because of these issues that are happening, Timothy needs to uh, deal with correcting different members of the church, from the young men to the old man to the younger women and the older women. And so how should he properly conduct himself, and how should he properly uh, speak to them, address them, And correct them. And so we see in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5 how to do that properly. This is the instruction that Paul gives him. He says this, Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. Younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers. Younger women as sisters with all purity. Whenever you... um, if, you, if you're riding, driving a ship, if you're, uh, if you're on a ship and you steer off course, it can be a devastating thing. There was a man who, uh, who was a sailor of a ship, and he was cleaning the compass of a ship with his knife, and a tip of it broke off inside of the compass, but he didn't remove it. And that little piece of metal that was left in the compass ever so slightly moved the, tr- the compass off the true mark. and. What ended up happening is that the ship went in just a slight different direction and deviated off course just so, ever so slightly that it ended up beaching on the, on the shore. Any, just a slight deviation, if left uncorrected, can be a devastating thing. And it's also true in our spiritual lives that if we steer off course because of sin and if it's uncorrected, then it can lead to devastating consequences it can lead to the shipwreck of our faith, as some, as, we see, as we've seen in the book of Timothy. So we look at older men. Older men, it says, do not rebuke an older man. It might be the tendency of a young man named, like Timothy, who's in his 30s, 30s, 35, 40, to come in with the attitude and say, hey, I've got a letter from Paul, the apostle, and this is what it says, so you better listen up to me. He might have that kind of attitude that I know better than you. But Paul's counsel is simple. Don't rebuke him sharply. Don't blast him with your words. And the tendency might be to do that, to hit him over the head with his words and say, come on, what are you doing? So how should you confront a man who's sinning? He should be restored gently and with love. With, gently and with love. In Galatians 1 and 2, it says, six, chapter 6, 1 and 2, says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then Ephesians 4, 2 says, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bear with one another in love. So our response to the older men should be with love, it should be gently. And it also says that we should exhort them, that we should encourage them, that our, um, our speech to them should be encouraging, that motivates them to change and to want to do the right thing. And Leviticus 19.32 says that we should show them honor. We should show them honor just like we would show our earthly father. This is important. It says, you shall rise up before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man. And fear your God, I am the Lord. Younger men. It could be the tendency for a, for a young man like Timothy to look at even younger men and look down on them and despise them. Just like Paul told Timothy, don't let anyone despise your youth, um, they, he could also do the same thing to younger men and despise them for their youth. But we should, how should we treat younger brothers? We should look at them um, with love. With love as well, we, we, we should have brotherly love towards one another. And it's that we should have a companionship, a friendship, a deep bond towards one another. And really treating him as an equal, treating him as you would your younger brother, your earthly younger brother. How would you treat him? And it kind of has a sense of camaraderie, a feeling of trust and a feeling of um, a deep bond that you have towards someone. And you're really on the same team. You're really um, working together for a common goal. And to, to go, go alongside of a younger brother who is sinning and bringing them and showing them their, their error um, should be done out of humility. An older woman, how should you approach an older woman? We should treat them just like you would your mother. You should show them the respect and the love and the... Um, honor that you would just, just like you would treat your mother and also with the spirit of gentleness with proper respect. And then we get younger women and younger women we should also treat with respect just like your sister. We should be kind to to them. We should be, um, be a gentleman. We shouldn't devalue them or, treat, or say unkind words to them or even rude and crude and demeaning jokes to them either. Most importantly, he says, to Timothy to treat them with all purity. With all purity. And that's very important for a young man in his 30s to be treating younger women with purity. As as, uh, Timothy works with the younger woman and maybe even dealing with some of the sin, he needs to be on guard and, and careful in the things that he does with them and doesn't end up sinning with her. He must have a he must view women also as sisters in the Lord, as one that Christ died for, and not as a sex object, not, as, not with impure thoughts towards them either. So it is essential. With, with purity, it encompasses all things. It says with all purity. It says with all purity. That means that um, with your speech, with your thoughts, and with your actions. And if you take all of these four different categories of people that you're dealing with, we should really have a, um, a compassion that we are all part of the family of God. We're all part of God's family. And if you were as part of a family, you also speak up when you see something wrong. You know, you wouldn't see a parent go, well, I'm not going to say something about that to that person because I don't want to tell say anything bad to that person. Or I don't want to confront my kids. Um, who am I to tell them what to do? Who am I to, you know, show them their sin in their life? It's their life. They, you know, that's. So we sometimes we can distance ourselves from people um, in the church, but we should really show a love and care. And, and the reason the reason is that if you confront someone, you're you're really showing them, I love you so much. I care so much about you, and I care about your relationship with God. That you are blessed. That you are living a a full life. That you can be used of God in an effective way. And when I see that, uh, love says that I care for you to prosper spiritually. And so that when I see you stray, I want to bring that to your attention. All right, the next section is a bigger section. And it's um, a section on how to honor widows how to honor widows. And God, um, God has a unique care for widows. He has a special heart for widows. And you can tell even by the, the sheer length of this passage, it's 14 verses that he addresses and spends on widows. And if you look at through the, New, the Old Testament, you'll see some of the care that he showed towards widows. Um, it says in uh, Psalm one forty nine, 146, verse 9, the Lord protects the strangers... He supports the fatherless and the widow. The Lord supports the fatherless and the widow. He is also a fatherless, a father of the fatherless, and a defender of the widows. That's God in his holy habitation. Widows can become vulnerable, and they can become, people can take advantage of them. them. Um, And so God shows special care, and there are many laws that protect women uh, that were in the Old Testament, it said that cursed is the one who perverts the justice due, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. God commands us to care for orphans and to care for widows. And then Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy 27, 19, it says, You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way and they cry out at all to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will become hot, and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows, and your children fatherless. Those are pretty serious words that he uses, and that was, those are laws given to the, the children of Israel, but you can see the heart that God had towards widows and the seriousness he took to, um, to not afflicting them, to not oppressing them, and to not um, treating them poorly. And then James says in Chapter 1, verse 27, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So now we come to the passage and we we look at the first verse, which says, honor widows who are really widows. And now we come to the question of how as a church are we supposed to support widows? Um, In what way do we support them? What does it mean when it says to honor? Well, the word honor has the idea of respect, but here it has the um, unique idea of supporting them financially. Financial support towards them. So does this mean that the church should, should provide for every single widow? They should provide support for every single widow in need? No, the Bible says that the, the Bible says to honor widows who are truly widows, who are really widows. So what does it mean, then, if it says they're, they are really widows? Does that mean that there are some fake widows and then there's real widows? Well, no, it doesn't say that. But what it means, then, is that there are different types of widows. There are different types of widows. And we're going to look at, through this passage, four different types of widows. Jake, if you could put that on the screen really quick. So the first one we're going to look at is a widow indeed. This is a true widow, and we'll look more about what that means. And, um, but those are the widows, a true widow, a widow indeed, is one that the church needs to show support for financially. Secondly, a widow that has children and grandchildren to support them. Thirdly, the younger widows, or widows living in pleasure first, um, and then the younger widows. So there are four different types of widows. And we'll look at each one as we go through the passage. So the church doesn't support everyone who's lost their husband, but because there's an order of responsibility that needs to be followed and evaluated as we look at the widows. And so first of all, we'll look at the, the, um, the second type of widow, which is, does the widow have children or grandchildren? So in verse 4 it says, But if any widow has children or grandchildren... Let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents for this is good and acceptable before God. <clears throat> so the first responsibility for supporting widows falls on the children and it falls on the, grand- the, on the grandchildren. And this makes sense. You've, you've had your uh, parents provide support for you for your whole life. Now the least you can do is pay back the support that they've shown you Ephesians 6, 2 through 3 says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. I looked up some statistics, and the, um, uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture says they did a survey in 2010 that the estimates, uh, they estimated the cost of raising a child from birth to age 18 and they estimated roughly in the, the ballpark figures of $245,000 to support a kid through the year. And that might be give or take, you know, it might be kind of low, actually. it's probably more than that. It is good and acceptable before God that the children repay their parents for what they've shown them. And it, but the tendency is that children will neglect their parents. They become... Um, they don't want to get involved in that. They, have, they show apathy towards their parents and they want to you know, put them in a, a convalescent home and let the society deal with them. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with my parents. But there, and there isn't really a genuine concern because they're concerned more about their life and I'd have to give up my time and my resources and I couldn't spend my money as much um, for myself. At the core, it's selfishness because your mom and dad have worked hard to raise you. So if a widow has children and grandchildren, the first first area of the responsibility is for children and grandchildren to show show them support. Next we look at a godly widow. This is a real widow. In verse 5, it says that, Now she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. A true widow is destitute. She, has, she doesn't have the basic needs. She is lacking in food. She's lacking in clothing. Um, she doesn't have a roof over her head. Because of her condition, she looks to the Lord and trusts the Lord for her um, provision. And she relies daily upon the Lord, saying, Lord, I need you. And she is a woman of prayer coming to the Lord with her supplications and prayers day and night, an example of a of a good widow would, would be the widow and two, with the two mites. In Mark twelve, forty-one through forty-four, it talks about that widow. It says this. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how, how the people put money into the treasury, and many were put in, and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes a quadrant. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they have put out; they have put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. This is an example of a true, the pattern of a true widow, who is completely rely upon, relying upon the Lord, and. Looks to the Lord daily for her necessities, and she gives. She gave all that she had. She gave everything, and it is those who have who have more that just scrape off a little bit from the top to give to the Lord. But she is completely relying, relying upon the Lord. Next is the question you you want to ask: Is is she? Is this widow indulgent? Is she living for pleasures? It says it contrasts the. Uh, the godly w- widow with, in verse 6, but she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. A real widow who is living in luxury, and um, a real widow does not live in luxury, does not live in indulgence, But and there's a stark contrast between that, where, where the widow who is living for herself, she's living a selfish life, and she's living for, um, she, has, she has enough uh, means, but she's living a... Um, She's not living a frugal life, and then it says in verse. Um, it says in verse six, that she is dead while she lives. James five five says this: "You have, le- you have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter." A-, a godly woman, a godly woman throughout her life lives for others, instead of just for herself, and. You see the contrast in the um, ungodly widow who lives in luxury and has no concern for the others. And we tend to have the, um, the, 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 the idea in America um, of retirement that I want to I work my whole life, I work hard for my, my, the, the money that I earn, and I'm saving up for my retirement so that when I get to retire, I can stop working, I can do nothing, and I can live for myself. And we have that tendency in in, in our thoughts to to want to just to look for retirement so that I can live for me, I can live for my for my needs and my wants because now I'm, I'm I've done it, I've I've done the hard work. But a, a true widow will look after even after retirement, or even after she's in her old age, that she's now freed up to use her time to serve the Lord, and that she can serve others. It says in verse 7, it says, and these things command that they may be blameless. And Paul's instructions right here is not to the to the widows, but it goes back to verse 4, where it talks about the children and the grandchildren who are supposed to be supporting them, that they may be blameless by doing what is good and acceptable before God. And it follows what happens, what's said next. It says in verse 8. But if anyone d- does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. In verse 4, Paul stated that children are to take care of their, their, um, their widowed mother and grandmothers. But now he's saying that if you don't, you have denied the faith and you're worse than an unbeliever. Those are very strong words that are being said. And generally, this passage is used to, um, as a general statement that, oh yeah, parents, you need to provide for your kids, because if you don't, then you're worse than an unbeliever, and you've denied the faith. And if you look at the context, that's not really what it's talking about, um, because it's obvious that that's true. It's obvious that parents should be supporting. Because if you look at verse 4, the command is to the children to repay their parents' Because they already are painful, the the parents have supported them through the years, so the issue isn't that um, parents are failing to support their children, but it's the opposite: the children are failing to support their parents or their grandparents. And there's two things that they are guilty of. There are two things that they're guilty of. The first one is that they've denied the faith. They've denied the faith. And it's not that they've lost their salvation in their sense of the, their faith in God, but they are denying the heart of what true Christianity is, what true love and compassion that a Christian should have towards one another. It is the heart of God to give. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he, what? he gave his only begotten Son. And John 13 says, 35 says this, that by this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The second thing they're guilty of is that they're acting worse than an unbeliever acts. Even unbelievers realize that they should show support to their own family. Even unbelievers realize that. Uh, when, we were going to, when we were staying at the hotels um, with our family, there was a g- guy named Ricardo and he was an immigrant from Mexico. And he worked hard for what he, made, for what he made. But he didn't make very much. But even he realized that he would save up money each, each week, each month. And he would take that money and send it back to Mexico to, for his parents. Even he realized that it was important to support his parents in his old age. He, probably, he barely had enough to support his own his own needs, but he he still used what he was making to send it to the um, to his parents. The next, we look at um, verses nine through nine through ten, and we're going to look at the the true widow, the widow who uh, trusts in God, the widow, the widow who is really in need. It says, do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number and not unless she has been the wife of one man, well reported for good works, if she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saint's feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. So the first guideline or the first qualification of a, of a widow is that she must be over the 60 and above, the Lord sets an age limit on, on the widows and, and who we are supposed to support. As we look at the character qualities of the widow, we see that the women can have a tremendous impact on the church. And younger women, I urge you to pay attention to the, uh, the life of a widow, of this lady. This is what characterizes a godly woman. Living a godly life doesn't start when you turn the age of 60 and above. It starts right now. So, take notes from this kind of woman. What kind of woman is she? She has been a wife. She's been the wife of one man. This phrase is similar to what we talked about when we looked at deacons and we looked at elders. Uh, we talked about that a, um, an elder was a one-woman man. Now it's reversed. It's a one-man woman that she's that she is, which really speaks of her faithfulness, her devoutness, that she hasn't uh, committed adultery against her husband, but she's been faithful to her husband, the one that she's married. She's well-reported for good works. She is known for good works. The people know her for that. She's brought up children. She has not just brought them up um, by having children, but she's raised them in a godly way, where she's trained them uh, in the fear and admonition of the Lord, it could even mean that she's trained uh, and brought up orphans, those who, have, who, haven't, who don't have a, um, a family. She's lodged strangers, and we've looked at that before, where it's showing hospitality towards uh, strangers. It's a love of strangers. It's a love of others. And she has opened up her house to, to have them stay at their house and to um, whoever needs a place to stay. She has washed the saints' feet. Many years ago, uh, our family had a fire in our house. Um, the upstairs, part of it was up burned, and a lot of it filled up the whole up, entire upstairs with smoke. And that very night, Tom and Mary showed up at our doorstep and invited us to come to stay at their house. And Mary Rodriguez was one of them. She took our clothes and washed them. They were filled with smoke. And she washed them. And I remember... Being uh, very afraid that night, but they showed love to us. They showed care to us. Washing the saints' feet—it just—it really means a, a lowly service. That's—that's that's what a servant would do: is um, is stoop down to to wash someone's feet. She relieved the afflicted. She has helped anybody that need, has needs, and that, and that can range from a, a woman who has just given birth and needs a meal. Caring for those who are sick in bed. Taking care of children who are in need. uh, Visiting the elderly in their sickness. Going to the hospital to visiting those who are afflicted. It's interesting to note that the women who show compassion now in their life, before they were widowed, when they show compassion throughout their life, that later on when they become a widow, God shows the same compassion back to them. And, and she's also, she's diligently followed every good work. And that sums up everything. That sums up that plus more. It can, it, it really is a life of service towards others. In Acts 9, we learn, we learn a story about Dorcas. And she's a godly woman who was full of good works and charitable deeds. And um, she ended up getting sick and ended up dying. And so the disciples called Peter and told him to come and uh, see what he can do to help. And upstairs, as the uh, the younger widows, or the the widows there, I don't know if they were younger, but they were there crying over uh, the loss of Dorcas. And then they presented Peter the the, uh, the clothes that she had made them. And it really shows the the service and the care that she has shown widows throughout her life. She lived her life um, focusing on other people's needs instead of her own. She had a servant's heart. And now we go, go on to the next section where we look at younger widows. This is another type of widow who is younger, under the, age of 60, under the age of 60. It says this, But refuse the younger widows, for when they have begun to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry, having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith, And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. Therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some have already turned aside after Satan. So the instruction to the church is that we are to refuse them the, refuse the younger widows. Refuse the younger widows. Um, it seems apparent that there was some sort of official list that the widows would be put on. And so younger widows would not be supported by the church. And uh, there are two reasons that he gives. And I'm going to uh, be honest that this passage is is very uh, relatively difficult to understand. And there have been many different types of interpretations on this. But this is what I believe... He is saying here. It says first, the first reason why we should refuse widows that are younger is they grow wanton against wanton against Christ. Picture this: if you put a younger widow on the list, if the church ends up um, putting them to uh, to support them, then after um, you know the first couple years, then they start desiring the same. Uh, they, they desire to be married again, and they. They grow weary, and then as time goes on, the Lord, uh, as they wait, out, wait on the Lord, um, they get anxious that the Lord hasn't provided for them a wife, or a husband, sorry. <clears throat> and then the issue is that they, they break their promise to the Lord, um, and because they become so anxious that the Lord hasn't provided a, uh, a husband, they end up looking towards unbelievers, and they'll, they'll look and um, and marry anybody who's an unbeliever. And in that sense, they've broken their first promise. They've broken they've um, the first faith towards Christ to to marry in the Lord to to be faithful to Christ. The issue isn't is um, isn't that Paul is condemning those who have to, is not condemning those who are going to be married because Paul encourages them to marry and to remarry for the widows. So the danger is that they become frustrated with God and ultimately forsake him and follow after a man who's not a believer. And in that sense, they have um, not waited for a, Christian, a godly Christian man and have turned aside after Satan. Secondly, younger widows, they, uh, they learn to be idle, it says. They learn to be... Uh, gossips and busybodies. They go around, about, around from house to house and they say things which they shouldn't be saying. The point is is that if you are a younger widow, put on, the, put, put on the list of the church for the assembly to support them, then they, then they realize that they don't have a need to support themselves and they become idle. They, um, they have a lot of time on their hands and so they don't use their time uh, wisely. And the tendency is to become idle to live unproductive lives for the Lord. So look at your life right now. You may not be a widow, but you may be single. Are you living a productive and effective and fruitful life for the Lord? Be busy for the Lord, be busy for God in his service, and be patient for his timing. And if you're involved in serving the Lord, then he'll bring the right man for you or the right woman for you that you're waiting for. But don't waste your time now. Don't sit around twiddling your thumbs, waiting for uh, God to, to bring someone around. But trust in him. But what they should do is, it says that they should remarry. That is God's desire for widows, is to remarry. And then to bear children. And it's been God's design for them to bear children, to manage the house. It's been God's design since the beginning of creation that women are to bear children, to be fruitful and multiply. Um, but in society, it's, it's been treated as a negative thing and that we, society tends to go against what God has designed for women and that, um, that they, t- they tend to have a, um, a view that they should, they should just follow their career and have no 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 children at all in their whole life, but they should uh, they should live a life and raise their children in a godly way. They should also manage the home, and this um, this woman she takes the resources that her husband is providing for her, and she uses it in, a, in an effective way to support the children in the home and to keep the home in, a, in order. If you look at the Proverbs thirty one woman, you'll see. Just how industrious and how um, pro- um, active she is. She's a very skillful woman. She's a very active woman. She is buying and selling fields, and she's waking up early to provide food for her children and even her her servants who are there. She has a heart that is um, that lends to the needy and to the poor. She watches over her household, and she doesn't eat the bread of idleness. She's active. And her children rise up and call her blessed. And so does her husband. So then we come to the, uh, the, the last verse in the, in the section. And it says this, If any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them. And do not let the church be burdened that it may relieve those who are really widows. The church is obligated to support widows financially, those who are true widows, widows. But I'm not talking about the church as an organization or as an institution, but as members of the church, you you need to support widows. I need to support widows. It is my responsibility to, to look after the needs of a widow. If the Lord has given me the resources, then I should look at that and say, how can I support a widow in need? And James says... James in, in James 2.15, it says, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to him, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give him the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Now, if we see someone that has, has a need, and we say, Okay, I'll pray for you, you know, but, but we realize that they need clothing or they need food, and we don't do anything about it, we just say, I'll, I'll pray for you, but we, we tend not to reach into our pocket and lend to somebody or to give to somebody. We need to learn to show mercy and to show love. And the command in verse 3 applies to all of us. It says, honor widows who are really widows. Individually, we are to honor widows who are true widows. And if you and I don't have the resources to support the widows. Then, the, then as a church, collectively, we are to gather enough to support the widows who have need. So let's do a, a quick recap of the passage. God has a, has a proper and distinct order, and an order of responsibility that is given for care for widows. There's an order of responsibility that needs to be evaluated. First, does she have children and grandchildren that are there to support her? Secondly, is, is the widow living the life um, of luxury and pleasure, or is she living her life in service for the Lord? Widows who's, who's living a life of pleasure and indulgences shouldn't be supported by the church. Finally, we are looking at um, the criteria of a true widow and what a true widow must have, and she should be a godly woman who is full of good works, who is washing the saint's feet, who is looking um, for the needy and for the... Um, the care. And if you look at that whole list that the widow has or that she has done throughout her life, there is nothing in there that has anything to do about herself. Every person she's helping, she's helping others. She's raising her children, she's helping those. She's washing the saints' feet. She cares for the believers and she cares for strangers by showing hospitality to those who uh, need a place to stay. And then the next responsibility next line of responsibility falls on any believing man or woman who has widows in their life. And this could be um, a widow who is your sister or a a mother-in-law or an aunt who is widowed. Then if those aren't able to support, if if she is truly destitute, she has nobody else available to support her, if her children have abandoned her or neglected her, then the church should support and the responsibility falls on the church. It says in Galatians 2.10, they only asked asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was also eager to do. We should be remembering the poor and also do it eagerly. That's what Paul did. Too many times it can be our tendency to, to not want to give and to not want to support them. And to come up with excuses of why we shouldn't and to hold back. But we should be giving joyfully. We should be giving cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver, doesn't He? He loves a generous giver, one who gives sacrificially. In today's selfish driven world, we can be like the selfish widow who lives for pleasure, for herself, by living for ourselves only. And we we make sure that we have plenty of food. We make sure that we have clothes and even the the nicest clothes out there, the newest style. And we we make sure that we we eat out at good restaurants or that we spend tons of money on entertainment or on frivolous activities. But when it comes to supporting widows, supporting those in needs, we should be like the godly woman, the widow who has looked to the Lord but has also used her life in service for others and has relieved the afflicted. We need to have that same heart of compassion that the Lord has because the Lord has a tremendous care for widows. So we must look at having that same heart. So each week, how can you look out for the need of somebody else? How can you look out specifically for a widow? What needs she has? How can you support her How can you show her love and compassion? The love and compassion that we are commanded to show them because God has that same heart of compassion. And he he has shown us that compassion even by dying on the cross for our sins. We were destitute in need of a Savior. And Christ died on the cross so that we could have eternal life. So let's care for the poor. Let's pray and ask the Lord for wisdom. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the example here and the, the instruction to, uh, to be part of a family, Lord, as um, as it were, to, to encourage those who are going astray, to exhort them, to encourage them to do the right thing. And Lord, we also pray for uh, widows. We pray that we would have a heart of compassion for widows, that we would not look at um, living a luxurious life and a life for ourself, but how we can support widows who are in need, who are truly um, destitute and without basic necessities of life. Lord, we pray for, um, also for uh, the godly characteristics that we see in uh, these women, Lord, that that um, that the women here might uh, also see... um, See, and learn those things too, Lord, and that uh, they might be able to um, model after that, that type of uh, character. Lord, we pray for um, each of us that we would be um, diligent in our um, uh, service to the widows and that we would be aware and not blind to their, um, their, to their needs, but have the same heart and compassion that you did. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.